everybody. Welcome to another GD podcast. This is your host, Guy DeMarco, and we are live from my 2004 Honda Civic. That's right. I'm doing this one live from the road on my way home from my first day back at work since I took a week and went to the AG Cup. So strap in, hang on. We're going to do a AG Cup Armageddon gear recap of how everything shook out during the AG Cup, what people said they liked, what people said they didn't like, what people wish would have happened, what did happen. We're going to give it to you live without spilling the beans on what's to come. All right, so once again, AG Cup recap. So it was held in Blakely, Georgia at the arena training facility, which let's start off with giving a huge shout out to Ed for hosting the event. Amazing training facility, amazing location, beautiful, beautiful scenery all the way around. Uh, Monday was an absolutely gorgeous day, super beautiful. Sun was out, it was nice and warm, everything was beautiful. Couldn't ask for a better day. Um, So, Mr. Ed, um, I don't know your last name, I apologize, but Ed, super gracious host, super awesome location. Um, So, it was held at Arena Training Facility. I stayed in one of the cabins, um, probably one of the coolest cabins I've been in. There was literally uh, beds, a table, a shower and a toilet and a mini fridge and a microwave and that was it literally all that you need in a cabin um, you could even do without the the microwave or mini fridge I understand why they're there so people like me can eat and heat things up however comma um, beautiful little cabin super awesome if you're going to go down there for training or you're going to go down there for an event I highly suggest getting one of the cabins reasonably uh, reasonably priced uh, I think I paid 100 bucks a night. Now, when you think of that, oh, that might be a little expensive for what I'm getting. However, you're not driving anywhere. You're staying on site. You can bring PB&Js and a cooler of beer, and you'll be all right. You're not having to drive. You're not having to do anything else. I spent money on the hotel, and I spent money on gas. Other than that, I brought everything else I needed. So really, really cool area. So if you're looking at going down there for some training or an event, I highly suggest trying to get yourself a cabin. So go ahead and uh, hook yourself up and do that. All right. So Monday morning I get up, didn't get off uh, the way I wanted to, didn't get get down and on the road uh, when I wanted to, but you know, such is life. So I ended up uh, getting in there about an hour. T- they are an hour time uh, difference. They're ahead of us by an hour not a big deal. Um, so I got there probably 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and went and checked in with uh, Christy. Uh, Christy Hembry uh, works down there at Armageddon Gear and I can honestly say she is probably one of the hardest working women uh, that I've seen to my knowledge. Now I don't have any behind the scenes information on this but to my knowledge, anything to do with the AG Cup that wasn't course of fire related, 
she handled. Um, I may be totally off. Feel free to email me, DM me, hit me up on social medias and tell me I'm full of crap. Frankly, I don't care. I know that if it came to taking care of those competitors, making sure Tom had what he needed, Christy was right there handling business. Um, she, she was amazing. I saw her work when we were at Altus. I saw her work when I was at the AG Cup. That, that woman right there did not stop working. Um, I say hats off to, to Chrissy. I know Tom is the, is the face of the AG Cup, and he's the, the owner-operator, and I totally understand that. But I don't think everybody out there understands how much work Christy Henry put into this as well. So uh, my hat's off to, uh, to Tom and Christy for, for pulling this whole thing off and, and making such a great event, number one. Um, so I got there, I checked in, I signed all the waivers, signed all the releases, everything that I needed to do. And then literally I turn around and there's, you know, half of the 20 greatest shooters in the country just sitting around, hanging out. You know, shooting the, shooting the, shooting the shit, having a good time, talking back and forth. Uh, Nick Loffenberg, Loffenberg from Vortex was there, hanging out as well. Uh, caught up with him, got to talk to all the guys, uh, just kind of moseying around, seeing what was going on. Nobody really knew what was going on. They weren't handing out matchbooks. They weren't handing out any information. Nobody knew what to expect. Nobody knew how things were going to shake out. We just knew that dinner was at six and don't miss it because that's where they're going to have the main shooters brief. So there at Arena, you've got the main uh, the main building, which is like the training building. It's got their little store, a little weight room for the staff. It's got like kind of like a banquet hall, like just an open room. Uh, there, that's where all the check-in and where everybody was kind of hanging out, where they served breakfast in the mornings, coffee, all that fun jazz. Um, but across the parking lot was a bigger building, and that was actually like the dinner hall, um, tables, couches, the bar. Um, that's where they prepared all the food. That's where we ate dinner. On the back side of that, there's a porch uh, with a giant pond, lots of little fish in there, some bass, some, some brim, some bluegill and two alligators, which were pretty gnarly. Um, we'll talk about feeding those guys in a little bit, but go over there, hung out there, uh, got some refreshments, got some, uh, got some drinks, had a good time. And then uh, saw Tom. Tom Fuller is the man behind Armageddon Gear and the man behind the AG Cup. And he uh, was right, rightfully so very busy. He was trying to get everything planned and set up. You know, you know, it's the day before the match. Like, you know, something was probably, probably needed to get fixed, but you would have never known it because he was walking around, cool, calm, collected, making sure things got done. I offered my assistance anything that, you know, he needed me to do. I was making sure that I made myself readily available to uh, tackle the small stuff for him uh, in case anything arose. Uh, got to hang out found where my cabin was at, uh, got with Miss Beth. Once again, my hat's off to Miss Beth and her staff. Uh, they fed us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, amazing. They cooked breakfast wraps in the mornings and they had coffee and lunch uh, was served up and ready to go. We had chicken sandwiches one day and then burgers the next day, fries and chips. 
drinks, dinner on, uh, I can't remember what dinner was on Monday night, but I know Tuesday night was, uh, I think it was grouper and some alligator and chicken and a really nice salad. Um, just amazing. Everything was amazing. So Miss Beth, if you end up hearing this by chance, super awesome job. You and your staff, super nice, super helpful. Um, wanted for nothing while I was there. Uh, you guys really put on a good show. That was uh, highly unexpected. I did not know meals would uh, meals would be provided. I knew they were be for the shooters, but I didn't know that I would be taken care of as well. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and with that, I lended I lend my help to them as well uh, throughout the weekend. You know, taking out trash and picking things up and just helping out where I could because you know that's that's what we need to do is just uh, you know lend a hand to somebody. Not expecting anything out of it just you know you see the trash needs taken out take the damn trash out um lend a hand help people out um you're not above anybody else to uh to not pitch in and and help out so here's my two cents on that but the shooters meeting kicked off monday night everybody was eating having a good time drinking some beers having a having uh having some fun kind of pre-match anticipation on what's going on uh, and then kicked off the shooters meeting. So uh, talked about the format. They were all going to be uh, 105 second stages. Uh, the holding areas. So this was a little different. Um, no sharing of wing calls. No sharing of how you shot or how you ran the stage or face possible DQ. We uh, they really wanted the best man to win the match therefore they had everything kind of segregated um they talked about how the stages will be run which we'll get into that in in a minute but you know everybody was kind of concerned like when are we getting match books when are we what are the rules how are we going to do this this isn't a prs sanctioned match but match but it's prs styled match so what is going to apply and what's not going to apply some people thought you know target size was going to be a factor which range are we shooting from so all those questions got answered uh during the shooters meeting and then you know i believe most of that got broadcast through either facebook or instagram live so you might be able to go back and find that i believe it was on the ag cup facebook page um so you can go back and and review what was actually put out at the shooters meeting that night which i think you know it covered everything that needed to be covered that night um so uh finish up the shooters meeting and then boom continue to uh eat and be merry and kind of i kind of walked around and introduced myself to people because i knew who some of the top shooters were like i know I, I knew who Jake Vibbert was. I knew who uh, John Pinch was. Uh, I knew who Brandon Hembry was. I knew who uh, Robert Brantley was. But, you know, I didn't know who everybody else was. So I made it a point to really introduce myself um, and just kind of sit down and, and BS with some of the other shooters and just kind of feel out who was there and what companies were represented and everything else like that. Um, 
and then proceeded to uh, to drink a bunch of wind cheater. So uh, had a good had a good time. A lot of people turned in early that night to uh, get some good rest before the match. I know our West Coast shooters, uh, Jake and John, they turned in uh, somewhat early because they have a three-hour time difference. So they went to bed at you know 10 o'clock, but that's seven o'clock their time. So a little bit of uh, jet lag might have had something to do with uh, their early turn-in Monday night, which is totally fine. I would have too. Sorry, getting a little bit of water here. So they turned in a little early. I believe they recorded a podcast on VP Precision Podcast. Go over and check that out. I believe it's episode 14. All right. So match morning. All of, uh, well, let me talk about this. Right after the dinner broke and they gave the shooters meeting, they pulled the ROs and everybody that was a non-shooter, non, I don't want to say cheerleader, but non-spouse or non-observer for a specific person, they pulled all of us outside and they asked for assistance. So they had two primary ROs. Um, uh, Brandon was one of them, Brandon Haywood. And then the other one, I... space in his name. I know what he looks like. I'm a, I'm a face person, not a name guy. So uh, that's my bad. But they pulled those two guys off. And then we kind of had like grade school kickball tryouts for who was going to help out because we needed somebody to run the tablet as well as keep paper score. So they were going to run practice score and the paper scores. And then they needed somebody to run the shot timers and then uh, phone scope. So phone scope was utilized to record each and every shooter's impacts on targets to ensure that if there was any dispute or if shooter called something a hit and the RO didn't call it we would have something to fall back on for scoring purposes so me being a phone scope ambassador I just stepped up and said, hey, phone scope, I got it. I had already brought my equipment with me because I was going to get some great content and get some good footage. And I've already put a little bit of it up on my page, but uh, you can go to Instagram and go to at hotgdrod and you can see some pretty sweet bullet wake from one of the great shooters. I believe it was Matt Rooks that I got on video shooting uh, the first stage of the day. Tuesday morning with some great bullet wake, uh, some great trace going down into the targets at about 430 yards. But uh, I stepped up and volunteered to do phone scope, and uh, it did come in handy. We were able to review footage on more than one occasion of some shooters thinking they were hitting some stuff, and turns out they were hitting different stuff or not hitting it at all, or the magneto speeds were. Uh, picking up bullet splash from dirt impact and not actual bullet impact. So utilizing the phone scope was highly, highly beneficial for the AG Cup. And I think that's a really smart idea. And if match directors have really long ball stages, uh, the farthest shot we took at the AG Cup was 1,353 yards. So using a super solid spotter, like a dedicated spotter, and a phone scope may be very beneficial for some of your long range targets that you're worried about seeing uh, hits on, especially if you don't have like a magneto speed hit indicator. So I volunteered for phone scope, had everything taken, uh, taken control of. I have all of my backup parts. 
So we were able to uh, nail down and, and really hammer home the phone scope and make sure that we got all those hits on target on film. So that was super cool. Uh, so come match morning, af after that meeting, everything, you know, I got picked. I was on Brandon Haywood's RO team along with Phil uh, Cashin and then a couple other gentlemen from uh, another company, which once again for, slips my mind, but they were two super cool dudes, super funny. Um, both had plenty of time behind glass. So uh, our team flowed pretty well. We didn't have any, any hiccups, any issues. Everything was covered down on, everything was good. Um, match morning, RO's breakfast was uh, 07 needed to be on stage at 07.30 and shooters taking shots at 08 to make sure that everything flowed right. We were expecting the weather to get pretty crummy and it did. So we shot the first stages outside. Um, and I, by outside, I mean outside of overhead cover because if you've been to the range there at Arena, you will see that on um, one range they have pretty much all overhead cover but two of the stages were not underneath that cover so we shot those two matches first or two stages first and then we bounced up underneath the overhead cover which was quite beneficial because it started to come down it started to rain and mist and get real hazy out so the way the match actually flowed I really liked um, your ROs stayed in position right so we set up our first stage was stage nine because of the overhead cover and the rain coming and everything like that. We set up on nine and the other RO squad set up on stage 10. We took our squad, squad one, 10 shooters, um, which they were randomly squatted. They pulled poker chips out of a bag and you know they picked a color. That's what team they were on um, for the day one and then day two, they, they switched again. So. We, uh, we set up, we pulled all the shoot shooters in, nobody was allowed to be on glass yet, and then the RO, the lead RO, Brandon, gave them their entire stage brief. What targets, what order, what positions, what gear, the, all the questions were answered, and then soon as that was done, they had a five minute timer, for stage walkthrough. They could set up any gear that they wanted, whether it be get a tripod to a proper height, get their bags, get whatever they wanted. They could not touch any of the props and they couldn't leave their glass on the stage. So take a look at anything you want, don't touch the props, and then when you're done with your equipment, take it back down the hill. Now the shooters were not allowed to stay at the shooting position and watch other shooters run their stage of fire. They had to go back down to a holding area. So you got your first shooter, he's online, you got nine, nine dudes sitting in a tent. Soon as that shooter is complete with his, his course of fire, he goes and sits in a separate tent and cannot talk to the shooters that have yet to engage that course of fire or that stage of fire, right? And then we would call the next shooter up. So these guys are sitting there. They're not reading wind. They're not getting dope. They're not asking 
uh, how they ran a stage or what you use or should I use a tripod or what worked well. Any of that kind of talk could have led in a match DQ or a stage DQ. I'm not sure how the rules actually worked out on that. I wasn't privy to that. My job was phone scope. But I know that some of the uh, shooters liked it. Um, some didn't, and we'll talk about that towards the towards the end of this. Now, uh, once all of the shooters had finished their stage of fire, every once all ten shooters got done with stage ten, the teams rotated, the squads rotated. So now the squad from nine went to ten, and the squad from ten went to nine. The ROs and everybody else stayed in place. We gave the shooters uh stage brief they got their five minutes and then boom we started shooting with the first shooter once you got your five minutes and you were the first shooter you got 30 seconds from the time you walked up and handed your matchbook in you got 30 seconds to either get your hopefully you already had your equipment to get on glass to read win to position your tripod to do whatever you needed to do you had 30 seconds and then you were getting you're you were getting marshaled to the starting point to engage and to start that course of fire. I think that really helped with stage flow and the fact that we did have 10 shooters and 10 stages to get through. I think that really benefited in getting uh, guys in gear to get up to the line, hand in their their booklet, and then get get on glass for 30 seconds and then go to town. If they didn't want to use their 30 seconds, they didn't have to take it. But we had to provide it for them if they wanted it, which is totally fine. I think it was, uh, I think it was the, the right call. We don't want people sitting around, you know, give a five minute shooter's brief and then have them stand around for another five minutes while they get their tripod ready or they get their bipod or whatever the case may be. If you, if you turn them and burn them, it just makes the day progress faster, right? So we did that all day long. Um, so I only saw half the stages on day one. I ran five stages, but I ran 10 teams, if that makes sense, or 10 squad, uh, the same two squads, but I ran each one of them on five different stages. So I really like that. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. I also like the fact that they only received day one matchbook on day one. So when they got there, uh, when the shooter showed up at seven o'clock for shooters breakfast, or excuse me, 7.30 for shooter's breakfast, that's when they got their matchbook. So they didn't get their matchbook the night before to start trying to pre-game or pre-plan how they're going to do stuff or get their dopes or do anything like that. That was all done the morning of. And you could see some competitors that were super, super uh, laid back. I don't think anybody was really laid back first thing in the morning. I think everybody was like, man, what are we... What are we about to get into? And I could only relate that feeling to uh, getting ready to go out on mission or getting ready to go do uh, go on your first deployment or whatever. You got them, you got that little antsiness as you're getting ready to fly into country or something like that. That's about the only thing I could relate it to because I haven't shot a two-day match and I haven't competed for twenty thousand dollars, so I don't know what it's like. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, I would say a lot of. Uh, trying to figure out what's going on prior to the match beginning. And that's totally fine. But as, as one or two stages moved on, I think 
I think they started to calm down. Some were more at ease than others. Some were just like, hey, I'm just gonna go out there and have fun. Some were like, I'm sicker than a dog. Robert Brantley. He was totally fine Monday afternoon. And then Tuesday morning, he looked like death incarnate, like just beat to heck. Um, really sick, not feeling good, puking. Um, some type of stomach bug that got him. I, uh, he just put up a, face, a post on Facebook uh, today or yesterday saying he's finally feeling a little bit better. So that thing kicked him and it took him a f- about a week to get over it now. Um, I don't know if it was all the raw chicken and pork product that he handled while feeding the gator. I don't know, but wash your hands, kids. That's that lesson. So some shooters were cool, calm, collected. Some other ones were, they were serious. They showed up to play. One of those would be uh, Keith Baker, um, shooting for APA, shooting for Kelblees. Uh, uh, he was dead stone serious the whole time. Um, kind of looked like he wanted to steal your soul, uh, which is totally fine. That's his game face. More power to him. Um, but you know what? He... He was doing some good stuff. He was putting in. He was putting in work. He was staying on top of his mental focus, his mental game. Um, and uh, day one, he was he was in the points lead. Um, nobody got to know who was in the lead. Um, points weren't uh, like we weren't sharing who was getting what on stages. If a shooter came up and be like, "Oh, how'd Bill do?" or whatever, it'd be like sorry, can't tell you. Or, hey, what did the last guy get? Oh, sorry, can't tell you. And that happened all weekend because normally at a PRS match, you're able to ask me like, hey, how'd the last guy do? He's like, oh, he did good. He cleaned it. Or, oh, not so bad. He didn't, you know, he only picked up four or he dropped dropped seven, like whatever it may be. And, you know, I think think that was something new for these competitors that they haven't had to deal with before is not – not having that joking or or uh, laid laid back match com- uh, process where you're like you're just smoking and joking, heckling your buddies on the line. Um, but I think uh, I think it was an interesting an interesting experiment in the shooting sports. Now, uh, as the day progressed, we, we we shooters did get a little bit more relaxed, had a little bit more fun. Um, some abandoned their plan for a match win right out of the gate and were going for stage wins. And I think we saw that by guys shooting extremely fast and not picking up a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of hits. Um, cause you know, maybe I should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, but the winner of the match gets 20 grand cash. And then for each competitor that wins a stage, they get $1,000. So if you win the whole thing, you get 20 grand. But if you come up with, say, four stage wins like Mr. Clay did, you get $4,000. Clay won four grand just by shooting the best and the fastest on four different stages. So when I say some people abandoned the thought of winning the whole match, that means, hey, I'm not going to shoot for the 20. I'm going to shoot and try and pick up as many stage wins as I can get and try and try and win some cash. That's what I mean by that. So we saw some of that. We saw some shooters have a really tough time with some of these stages. 
Um, some of the weather was not helping. We had some really switchy winds across that field to where um, it would be blowing maybe three tenths or two tenths left in one spot and then it would push you uh, four tenths the other direction, four tenths right. Um, so tricky winds, they're on the Katy Range, that's the name of it, the Katy Range. Um, some tough winds out on the on the Katy Range, which, you know, that's why they call it shooting and not hitting. Um, but really, uh, really interesting to see the people's thought process on how they're going to attack either the stage or the entire match. Um, once all of the official stages were complete, we had two side stages. Now, these are where we really saw the shooters relax and cut loose. Now, I mean, it was amazing. Um, hold on, you're gonna hear an ambulance because there's an ambulance passing me at the moment. I'll try and edit this out, or at least dumb it down. That wasn't too bad. Um, so, two side stages. One was a plate rack, a Texas Star um, plate rack. And the fastest person to shoot it won $500. So, you get the first guy up there, he burns it down in like 27 seconds. And everybody's like, oh man, time to beat, time to beat. And then somebody does it in 22 seconds. Oh, time to beat, time to beat. And then somebody does it in eight point like six, seven seconds. And everybody's like, oh man. So what guys were doing, would they shoot like three shots? And if they missed, they just stopped. Wasn't even worth it. So everybody's shooting, trying to beat this eight, six, seven. And if they, if they missed their third or their fourth shot, they just stopped completely. Why? Why heat up the barrel? Why burn the ammo? Why, why do all of that? So they just stopped shooting, which I can understand, but I hate to leave things unfinished, so I would have probably kept shooting it. Um, and it was only at three or 400 yards. I think it was 300 yards. Um, I think uh, Joe Watts won that one. Uh, I hope his first name's Joe. I know his last name's Watts. Um, but he... Uh, Maybe it's Joel. I don't know. Whatever. Face guy, not a name guy. Uh, shoots for Foundation, though. I do know that. Those fine people over at Foundation Stocks, the Truitts. Um, yeah, so he won the plate rack stage. And then uh, they had a spinner. So you had to hit the spinner and get a full rotation in a certain amount of time and I think somebody did it in like four or five shots and they did it in a super low time and nobody else could beat it but the fun thing of those two side stages was the shooters really unleashed the heckle the fun the smiles there was I mean there's pressure there's $500 on the line but it's not oh man I can't I can't share wind calls or I got, I, I'm not allowed to watch the other person shoot. You can go on uh, my Facebook and I live streamed part of it. I did it on Instagram as well, where I live streamed the two different side stages. 
and every you can just see everybody's having a good time everybody's laughing um, everybody's having a great time everybody's really enjoying those side matches and I think that was a huge uh, I don't want to say learning point but a huge breakthrough in the overall competition was guys really unwinding and really relaxing and starting to open up more because the day was it was rainy it was cool um it was a light breeze all day and you know these guys are sitting in a tent for 40 to 50 minutes waiting to shoot or waiting or they're the first shooter and then they gotta wait there for other people to show up to shoot the shit about whatever they're gonna talk about because they can't really talk about the match that much um you know, they, they, the, Tom wasn't going to openly share the scores, but if you counted up your score and you told somebody that was kind of your thing, but you know, the intent was to keep everybody guessing who's in the lead, who dropped points, who's out of it. You know, that was kind of the intent. And I think it, it played off cause I think it was pretty low key until, uh, until the end. Some people didn't count up their score at all. Um, some did, some didn't. So it, it added a level of, uh, of mystery and, and thought process to the game. But once everything was done and, uh, done and over with, went back and had dinner. Once again, uh, the adult beverages uh, flowed thoroughly. Uh, got my fill of windcheater that night too, which was awesome. And really had a good time. Uh, for those of you that don't know Jeremy Swanee, uh, of Swanee's Comp Gear, you need to go over there and give him a follow, give him a like, social media, and uh, the, the, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, uh, he's on both. He was doing a lot of filming content throughout the weekend as well, showing um, shooters shooting a particular stage and then, uh, and then cutting it off, not showing the entire thing, and that was to keep the integrity of the match in place. We didn't want uh, people to be following along and seeing the shooter and being like, oh, well, he got 10 on this stage, or he dropped three, and, you know, texting each other's buddies, you know, who got what, where, and why. So um, Tom just instructed us to only film part of a person's run if it's going on, uh, Facebook Live or Instagram Live or whatever, but other videos were fun. Um, so it was a real, it was a real good time. But Jeremy definitely was there, definitely putting his two cents in with the uh, with the wisecracks and the jokes and everything else, which was greatly appreciated. Uh, had a great time. Um, covered down on us. We were there, and uh, I hung out with uh, Riza from Leupold. Uh She was a representative uh, there along with Josh and those two hilarious, hilarious people. Super fun, super nice, um, really great company. They had some products that they were showing off and demoing. So that was super, super awesome. Um, Yeah, so we, uh, everybody kind of hung out. There was probably four or five people left when I, uh, I racked out that uh that tuesday night um walked back to my cabin passed out not actually passed out i went to sleep but yeah i had a great time uh dinner was awesome fed the gator uh just hanging out just having a good old time um 
nothing crazy, nothing, nothing popping off. Uh, everybody did really, really well. Uh, nobody got crazy, which was awesome. Uh, did drink them all out of Windshear, which uh, they went and got more, thank goodness, because I really like Windshear, so I just need to find a way to uh, get more of it. But what I'm going to do now is we're going to talk about the final day. But before I do that, I'm going to take a quick break because I'm now at the house and I'll record the second part of that later. Thanks. Stay with me, guys. All right, folks, we are back. You are listening to another GD podcast. So that quick break that I was supposed to take turned into a day or two because... Yeah, hashtag dad life. I don't know. Uh, got busy. Didn't uh, didn't have everything I, I wanted to have prepared for the second part of the recording. But we left off with uh, me racking out for the night on Tuesday, and we're going to get into the Wednesday of the AG Cup now. However, I do need to make a quick correction to my... Uh, to my previous recording it is not joe watts it's not joel watts it's actually justin watts that took third place in the shoot off so it's jake verbert jake vibbert then it's bradley allen and then it's justin watts for third all right sorry about that guys uh i didn't have the scores printed out but i've got them printed out right here in my handy dandy printout sheet so i've actually got some notes for a podcast which is which is kind of new uh trying to be a little bit more prepared but let's dive into day three so day three once again getting up in the morning was a little more difficult uh i mean it was only six o'clock when i got up but uh yeah feeling good feeling froggy um got down there had breakfast once again breakfast was amazing um ended up doing uh some some fruit and some uh bacon egg and cheese biscuit something ham or others i don't know tried to make a little sandwich it was delicious got out to the stages now this uh the range that we went to on wednesday was the unknown distance uh the uh the unknown distance range so Obviously, the shooters knew what the distances were. It's provided in their second-day matchbook that they got at breakfast. So once again, they did not receive their matchbooks until the morning of the match. That way, they could go back and, and battle plan and, and war game it to death, trying to figure it out. People, uh, Tom really wanted people to come out, enjoy themselves, hang out, um, socialize, and have a good time. So the matchbooks weren't provided until the morning of the day of shooting so we get out there and i mean it's a huge range it's it's pretty far so in a previous podcast uh, i believe it's episode two when i covered the precision rifle expo this is the same range where the gentleman was doing the elr and reached out to like 2500 meters so this is a really, really big range, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. So everybody jumped in their cars, drove all the way out there. Once again, most of these stages were covered. There was a few stages that were not covered. Um, 
with uh, with overhead uh, overhead cover. It was raining, uh, made the start of the day a little questionable as uh, I started on the barrels, so shooters had to start either strong side or full weak side, and they had to engage two shots at a target, transition to another barrel, two shots, and then transition back, but they had to go uh, full weak side, eye, shoulder, hand, engage two shots, and then move to uh, the other barrel and go weak side again. So you could start weak side or strong side, it didn't matter, but whenever you transition, um, after two shots you had to transition, and then after uh, two shots or two iterations from strong side, you had to go weak side or vice versa. So I started there, which wasn't a big problem. It was a little misty, a little rainy. But the other squad actually was shooting from the uh, military vehicle. I'm going to call it a deuce and a half, even though I don't know if it was a true deuce and a half. Uh, they had to shoot out of the back of the deuce and a half. Now, the course of fire required them to start off the clock and go up from the from the ground to the inside of the bed of the truck, which in the rain upstairs with a firearm was questionable. Um, but nobody got hurt. Everything was safe. Uh, it didn't seem to uh, it didn't seem to cause anybody undue uh, undue pressure. Undue I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Didn't cause anybody to screw up. People might have timed out, but nothing. Nothing went wrong, to my knowledge. Uh, like I said, I wasn't on that stage, and I might have got the stage description wrong, but I know they had to shoot out of the back of the truck and move a lot, so there you go. Um, from there, we kind of moved around uh, quite a bit, which was, it was what it was. Uh, everything was good. Man, there's a lot of cops on the road today. Um, moved around a lot. We ended up going down um, an extra you know, two, uh, two shooting positions down the, down the road, ended up posting up there and shooting another course of fire, but the targets once again were small, everything was a little bit past 400 to, to 500, there was a lot more uh, movement, I will say, today, uh, or excuse me, Wednesday, than there was on, on Tuesday, and by movement, I mean movement of the targets so on Tuesday it seemed like there was either one target at a far distance or two targets right next to each other there was there's probably two stages that required them to engage targets in a troop line style but today or on Wednesday those targets were spread out a little bit farther so as far as my job running the phone scope I actually had to be really on top of my game. One, to remember to start the phone scope instead of fanboying all up over all these awesome shooters and gear and equipment and beautiful rifles. But also, I had to ensure that I was on the right target for the right for the right time with the right shooter going and panning the phone scope on a on a tripod with the camera and binos and making sure that as I spun it, I didn't overspin it. I was transitioning with the shooter as to not miss a shot and then transition and, 
missed his uh, missed his first attempt at the target. So it was it was a little bit more challenging of a day as far as keeping up with the phone scope. Uh, I would say the toughest stage was stage 20, where you shot off the five connexes. You're pretty high up in the air. I'm not a huge fan of heights, and that whole structure shook. But you know, I got over that pretty quick and just kind of sat there hunkered down in my little spot and tried to call impacts as best as I could via phone scope. Um, that stage had the most challenges to my knowledge um, and rightfully so. Granted I was on a pair of uh, 10 power binos with a phone scope so and that phone scope was zoomed in as uh, much as I could. It was still really hard to actually see a bullet but thankfully we had Brian Sykes up top on a dedicated spotter we had our spotter we had the actual video crew up there with their cameras and everything worked out really well um we did have a couple of challenges but um, got tom involved and tom handled everything in a firm fair and consistent manner and everything was great um, i do think that the day two stage was probably a more challenging stage not necessarily mentally like day one was because the shooters knew what they were going to be doing but i think day two was tougher as uh i think i feel now i wasn't behind glass and i wasn't a shooter but i think the targets were a little bit smaller possibly and the distances were a little bit farther and the obstacles were stranger like they shot off a sewing machine they shot out of a truck they shot out of a building they shot off the top of a building um they shot off of a log and then had to transition to either prone or supported prone like on the bed or modified prone off the bench so very very interesting very very unique courses of fire I am definitely going to hijack some of those for my NRL 22 matches, um, keep, keeping them family friendly as always. However, there's definitely some some stuff that we can do to, you know, really challenge our shooters out there, and I think I think they're going to enjoy it as well. But as the day progressed, people I think were counting their scores a little bit more. Um, they were trying to see, hey, am I in the lead? Am I not in the lead? What's going on? Which, totally fine. Um, I, I would knock them for trying to figure out where where they're placing within the, uh, within the match. So, comes down to the very end. We get done with our very last shooter. Everything's good to go. And uh, the very last shooters ended up being on the top of that tower that I spoke of uh, a few minutes ago. So take some 40-foot sealand containers and then stack them. I don't know if it's three high or five high. I just know it's pretty dang tall. And they've got some wooden stairs that go up the back side of it all the way to the top. And then it's got a overhang cover on top. It's got a deck and a rail so you can actually engage and shoot off of the top of this structure. Now we shot all the way out to 1,353 yards, if I remember correctly. And you had 
your time limit to do it in, 10 shots, and obviously um, distance definitely played a factor, the wind played a factor, the rain did play a factor because we got rained on so hard that we actually had to call it because we couldn't get, we couldn't see the targets to actually call impacts or not because it was coming down so hard. So we paused X real quick, let the rain die down. We were able to see the targets. We called the shooters back up. Um, this was the only stage that I'm aware of that we allowed shooters to be next to each other when they shot for a time constraint because um, we wanted to get all the shooters shot. We didn't want to have to throw out a stage because it got too bad. We didn't know what the weather was actually going to do. So we made sure that uh, we were ready to go. So we brought all 10 shooters, five or 10 shooters, all the way to the top of the tower, grounded their gear, and then they sat up and faced away from the firing line. But they had to remain completely still as, where, as well as the spotters and everybody else. For the sheer fact that if you dropped a quarter on the deck of that tower, the whole thing shook. And then it would make calling impact or seeing the trace or having the spotter do his job or frankly the shooter being able to see their trace and see their impacts that much harder. So everybody had to remain extremely still, which wasn't a big deal, everybody understood. And then go ahead and uh, once that person shot, they sat up, turned around or just stayed in the prone. Uh, it didn't matter at that point. And then the next shooter got on glass. They got their 30 seconds to re-familiarize with targets. And then they went ahead and engaged uh, targets thusly. Now, I got to give some mad love to uh, Derek Love. For he is the champion of the long range. He went 10 for 10 on that stage. Uh, cleaned it all the way out to 1,353 yards. Um, awesome shooter, super nice guy, veteran, uh, super, super cool dude. Got to talk to him uh, quite a bit. Uh, lovely wife, uh, just great dude. I was really, really impressed. I wasn't sure that anybody was going to be able to pull off a clean run due to the conditions. The wind wasn't a huge factor. Um, once again, I wasn't shooting, so I can only read the wind through the phone scope and binos as well as I can. But it didn't seem, it seemed like a pretty steady three to five gusting to seven, pretty steady across that whole unknown distance range. Um, it was a little switchy at one or two points, but you know, he was able to, uh, to read that wind properly and, get all 10 hits so he won that stage because he was the only one to do it so he got 10 uh 10 impacts so he won the thousand dollars for the stage win which was awesome and everything was good there so finally we're done with all of our shooters Derek took the uh mr love took the win on the uh the long range stage and we're all coming down and we get our scores because we're doing digital scores and we're doing paper scores and we get our paper scores over to uh, Tom to uh, try and do a hasty like hey who who actually won this thing and turns out 
we got a tie for second. Now, for a tie, we were under the impression that they were going to have to go off of the par times for how much time they actually took for each stage because their time was actually tabulated and kept for the entire match. So you shoot stage one, you clean it for 10 and do it in 100 seconds, and then, you know, shooter two steps up, cleans it with 10, 10 impacts and does it in 99 seconds. Well, shooter two is the, uh, is the winner of that stage because he did it with the most hits and the fastest time. So that's how the whole match played out. So for stage, uh, for our tiebreaker, they decided to do a shoot off between Justin Watts and Bradley Allen. And uh, I was still coming down and trying to get gear organized, so I was unable to view the tiebreaker. I do know that uh, Bradley Allen was victorious, so he was the second place winner. Uh, and Justin took third. Now, I will say, uh, super proud of Justin. Solid, solid shooter, really good dude. Once again, uh, U.S. veteran, um, super appreciative of his service after talking with him on Tuesday night, super down-to-earth dude, um, really good guy. Now, what's, uh, what's interesting is, according to Justin, Tuesday, the day one of the competition, was the worst, the worst he has ever shot in a competition for a day one finish. He said that he did the worst he's ever shot in his shooting career on day one. So for him to battle back and pick up all those spots and then tie for second and finish third, I'm just going to like tip my hat to that and say that's some real mental focus. That's some staying on top of your game. That's battling through. That's doing what needs to be done. Um, and... To, to top it all off, it's pouring down rain, everything's covered in mud, everybody's dirty, and he's doing it in a pair of shorts and some Yo Dave, or Yo Dude shoe, shoes. Um, so they remind me of house slippers, if, uh, if you can picture that. So just go to uh, Yo Dude, or Hey, no, they're Hey Dudes, Hey Dude shoes, and uh, give those a Google and take a look at them. Um, shot the entire second day of the match in those shoes so that's hilarious and congrats to uh congrats to him for battling back and really uh really burning it down on day two to finish in third so everybody we finally kind of figure out who got second everybody kind of knows who got first like everybody's kind of tabulated the score um there's some like some looks, some head nods, and like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got this, or like, no, I'm way blown out. Um, but it was super cool. So, throughout the day, uh, Swanee, Jeremy, was hanging around doing some, some Instagram lives, some Facebook live shots, and then uh, Jeremy disappeared. He, he vanished. I couldn't find him. I loaned him my battery pack because his phone was literally on 1%, so I hooked him up with the uh, the lifeblood of the iPhone. Uh, 
got him some power, and he was able to continue documenting this this match for you guys, which was super awesome. Uh, but then he disappeared, like took off, couldn't find him. So I was like, all right, cool. So I go back to uh, to the cab, not my cabin, but the the lounge cabin, and there he is on the grill, cooking up like seventy something. Uh, tomahawk steaks for all the competitors and flame and yawns for all the support staff and everything like that like the man dropped some serious coinage on some meat and it was truly appreciated um, I didn't get a tomahawk which is totally okay because those are for competitors and uh, I will just say I, I ate a few possibly three fillets. I ate two at dinner and then I got hungry later in the night, pulled one out of the oven uh, where they were keeping them and, uh, and had another one because they were delicious. Perfect medium, medium rare on uh, on those. I don't know what the, the sauce or juice or whatever they were calling it um, that he was putting on top of the steaks to uh, for flavor. Uh, it was like a, a, a roux special sauce that, you know, nobody nobody knew. It's like an Anjou sauce that, you know, you get with a French dip or something like that. Uh, but apparently it tasted way, way better, and it did. Um, I don't know what it's called, but I just know that it is delicious. But, Jeremy, thank you so much for cooking all of that food, all of that delicious, delicious meat. Uh, I know the competitors said that was probably the best steak they've uh, ever, ever had. Uh, same with the support staff. Those fillets were amazing. Miss um, Beth came in with all those sides again and just made, made it a really awesome meal for the competitors to enjoy their... I'm going to call it, even if you came in 20th place, it was still a victory because you were invited to the inaugural AG Cup and you got to burn it down with 20 of the best competitors in the country and have a good time. Well, hopefully you had a good time doing it. So it was super awesome. Jeremy, thank you for cooking all of the food. Uh, thank you to all the sponsors that, uh, that chipped in and provided meals for, uh, for the duration of the match. Um, so yeah, super awesome. Now, let's get to the Grand Poobah, the, the announcement of the winners. So they had a stage, and you can go on the you can go on the AG Cup Facebook page, and you can see all the pictures and the videos and all that fun jazz. Um, they started off with the stage winners. First off, they they thanked all the sponsors, which once again, thank you all of you sponsors, Foundation Stocks, Louisville, uh, MPA, Manners, uh, Impact Actions, Clay's Cartridges, um, everybody, uh, Altus, Phonescope, everybody. Everybody, you guys really stepped up and, and made Tom's uh, brainchild come to life. And I had an amazing time getting to take part in that. And it was truly amazing, so thank you guys for supporting the community once again uh, by being a sponsor to the event. So they did all of the stage wins, and they uh, they started off with you know who the sponsor was. If the sponsor came up, like 
the, uh, the gentleman from Hoppies. He came up, presented a check, or I believe it was one of another rep from, from Hoppies came up and presented a check to the Hoppies stage winner. Um, and then some people had to stick around because they won one, two, four, four, uh, four stages. They just burned it down and took, took home four grand. And then they did, um, they did the second or the third, second and first place trophies. Uh, once again, Justin Watts took third, Bradley Allen took second, and then Mr. Jake Fibber took first. Now, they literally handed a, Christy handed a stack of $20,000 cash, cold hard cash, stuck it in the cup and handed it off to Jake as the winner of the inaugural, inaugural AG Cup. And, I mean, he earned it. Um, you know, he, he took his time. He ensured that he pulled good shots. And sure enough, he came out with came out with the victory, which which was awesome for him. Uh, definitely made definitely made the trip worth it. So congratulations to Jake. And I just you know super awesome to witness. Uh, super humble guy. Super uh, super great shooter. Uh, hard earned, well deserved match victory for him. Uh, fireworks libations they had a band there the band was awesome so that's uh that's pretty much it i don't want to say everybody like took off for the hills directly after the match but i mean some people had to like they had connecting flights uh some people were leaving out of atlanta so they've got to drive from the match to atlanta uh, you know find a hotel rack out go, uh, you know, get up in the morning and fly back to wherever home is. I know, for example, Jake had to get back because he was hosting his own two-day PRS match. I think it's the Blue Ridge uh, match that weekend. So he's flying out Thursday morning to get back Thursday night to be doing his match probably range day Friday, shoot Saturday and Sunday. Um, and he wasn't shooting the match. He was the match director. So we all know, you know, the strain and effort that goes into one of these matches. Can you imagine shooting a match a day prior to hosting your own match? That's craziness. Uh, so the, uh, the fact that he was able to do that is, is amazing. Uh, so everybody hung out for a little while at least. Um, some people did end up going to bed. Uh, I think, once again, I was one of the top five or six people left at the end of the night. Uh, band finally stopped playing at midnight. We helped, uh, we helped pack them up because it was raining. We grabbed one of the giant canopies and put it over the awning there for they could uh, load all of their equipment up without getting rained on. And then went from there. So, super interesting, uh, interesting night. Everybody had a lot of fun. Um, hugs and high fives all around. Um, met a lot of great people. You know, Justin Watts, amazing dude. Uh, 
Mr. Love, amazing dude. Bradley Allen, like, battled through, like, serious, serious stomach bug. Um, one competitor did, uh, <clears throat> did need to leave. He, uh, he got some super unfortunate news that a uh, family member was not doing well. Therefore, he just packed his crap up and uh, hightailed it to Atlanta to try and catch a flight back home. And absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think any one of us would have done the exact same thing. So, um, super unfortunate, uh, the situation. And uh, we're all thinking about you, buddy. And uh, for some odd reason, you hear this podcast and you need anything, hit me up. Um, I'll try and do anything I can for you. Um, but super, uh, super good match. Oh boy. We're all right. Um, this is what happens when you record a podcast while you're driving. People cut you off. Uh, yeah, so super good match all in all. Um, amazing people. Brian Sykes. Um, super down-to-earth yet intense and serious man with amazing uh, amazing beard and uh, I'm going to say a half a head of hair because it's like shaved sides but really long slick back so call it a half a head of hair uh, Brian don't kill me in my sleep uh, Tom you know amazing match uh the people at armageddon gear the girl the girls of armageddon gear came out and got to watch the match which is super cool um a lot of the competitors went up to them and, and said hello and introduced themselves and, and you know i went up and said you know said hello to the ladies of armageddon gear and you know thank them for for providing me with the with the things that i have to to shoot my matches and the uh the bags, the slings, all that stuff, um, high quality, and it's nice to it's nice to know the person that is behind the equipment you use. I think that's super cool uh, that Tom was able to get them out there to uh, to partake in the event. Um, you know, Christy, like the hardest working woman of the of the AG Cup. I know she's super glad that it's finally over. Um, I do, I do not envy her job. She uh, is amazing for being able to, uh, to partake and, and manage that whole, whole match minus the course of fire for obvious reasons as her husband was shooting in the match. So obviously to keep everything firm, fair, and consistent, she had nothing to do with the course of fire, target sizes, anything else like that. So super super awesome that you know she did all that hard work and you know i saw multiple competitors go up to her afterwards and just you know hey thank you i know i did um went up and thanked her and said you know you did a really good job congrats and thank you for uh, for putting on such a solid match so um yeah it was awesome i also saw uh melissa missy Missy was out there. Uh, she came out there that night, hung out, partied a little. Uh, another great representative of Armageddon gear. Um, great shooter. Joy to be around. 
So it was good, uh, good seeing her again. Hung out with her at the, uh, the the expo and had a great time. But you know, give it up to the man, Tom. Had I know he was stressed because he wanted to provide a solid, fun, fair, challenging match. And I think he was successful. I don't think you're going to find a single competitor that didn't enjoy themselves, didn't have a good time, didn't think it was challenging. Um, can we change the format a little bit? Yeah, we've already talked about it. Um, changing things up for next year. Uh, inviting more people or having a way to compete to get to the cup. Like, you know, all that... All those details are, are still in the wind between Tom and, and Shannon Kay and uh, and everybody else, but I'm, I call it a win. Like it's probably one of the most interesting matches that I've seen. Uh, just a great time overall. So once again, that's my uh, that's my take on the AG Cup. I had a super good time attending the match, working the match. Being able to represent Phonescope, um, who I am an ambassador for, uh, being able to represent that company as far as running the Phonescopes for the stages to ensure that everything is documented in case there was a challenge, uh, being able to come through with the equipment to make it happen. Um, seeing my home range, Altus, have a stage there at the match as a supporter, as a as a sponsor of the match, you know, makes me proud to call Altus my home range. Um, just super, super cool. All right, guys, that was my recap of the AG Cup that was held in Blakely, Georgia, at the Arena Training Facility. The October the uh, 28th, 29th, and 30th. I'm spacing on days now, but that was that was my recap. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the podcast, go ahead, like, subscribe, leave us some feedback. You can find us on Breaker. You can find us on Google Podcast. You can find us on Spotify. You can also find us at Anchor.fm forward slash GD Podcast. Once again, rate us, like us, share us with your friends, help the help the podcast grow. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Hey guys, Jake Vibbert and John Pinch here from VP Precision Podcast. Just keep looking for more GD podcasts. Doodle!